Hey guys, Grant here. I want to tell you all about my friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of Gatlinburg who are making it possible to bring this episode to you. As you guys know, I grew up in East Tennessee, and there are two things that all East Tennesseans have in common. We all love the balls, and we all love the Smoky Mountains. Since I've moved to Nashville, I've been unable to get my Smoky Mountain fix in, but thankfully our friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of downtown Gatlinburg have me covered. They are conveniently located at 1100 Parkway and are within walking distance of all the major attractions and best food that downtown Gatlinburg has to offer. To book your Smoky Mountain getaway today, visit BlackBearGatlinburg.com or call 865-436-5656 or toll free at 1-800-933-0777. Welcome to this edition of the Volin' Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, here with my host, Grant Williams. How you doing, brother? Jordan, man, uh, I'm ready to talk some NCAA stuff, I guess, but we're going to save that for later in the show. How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm I'm good. Uh, tonight, we got a special guest with us. We got a side expert with us from uh, Fanside, Pete, uh, Pigskin Petey. How you doing tonight, buddy? Good. Good to go, Vols, and good to see you guys here and excited to talk basketball, football, all the sorts. Oh, buddy, you know, we're going to cover it all tonight for sure. Um Man, we're going to open up uh, with some SEC hoops, buddy. You down with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Boys, let's Grant do it. Away. Absolutely. Well, this this is my spot here on the show. Like I said, I love hoops. But, uh, Pete, man, I want to talk to you. Um, we know that the SEC is one of the top pro uh, conferences in America this year. And it's been proven year in and year in again. But I want to know who you think the top four teams are in the SEC who are going to get that double buy once they come out this way to Nashville in March. So that's the like years past. It would have been like, yeah, you're going to have your four. It may not have been clear cut, right? Because I think the coaching was a lot more even and that it was just poor beyond Kentucky for the most part. Um, now it's definitely changed to where like, there's four, but there's an elite four. So I would say um, Kentucky's emerged so lately, right, as one of the four. And these are in no particular order. Um, but but what, for one of the four, Kentucky, um, Big Z has come on the scene and he's entertaining to watch. Um, and then they just seem to be gelling and getting it together. Calipari seems to have went back to that traditional character. Calipari one and done model, which served him pretty well in the past. Um, uh, Auburn for sure. I think that's Auburn and Tennessee are concrete to me. Um, Their coaches have been there, done that right. Um, uh, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, which I love your guys' defense. I mean, I think that's the the Tennessee plays such tenacious defense and um, Bruce Pearl's got it going on at Auburn. Auburn wasn't even ranked preseason, which was crazy to me. I mean, it's Bruce Pearl. So, um, but now they're, you know, they're showing out. You guys are showing out. Um, the uh, the thing I, like, the team I compare you to is Virginia. As crazy as that sounds, as silly as that sounds, because Virginia, Virginia basketball is slow as molasses. It's boring to watch, but it's, they're good. Their defense is elite. Um, so I, you know, and that's how I see you guys, but just more up-tempo, but really with a grind focus on defense. And the fourth one, I'd have to give the edge to Alabama. It was between them and Ole Miss, but just because Chris Beard's in his first year there, right, and Nate Oates has been at Bama now, what, I think this is his fourth year. Um, and they're they're starting to really play, um, play better basketball now um, with Grant Nelson and um, – Mark Sears, you know, Marcus Sears. Yeah. He's, um, they're, they're rounding into form, right. Um, versus like Tennessee, Auburn, they were rounded into form, I think much, much sooner in the year, but those would be my four. Yeah, man. I mean, one thing that you, you kind of touched on right there too, the fact that Auburn was not ranked preseason and then it took them forever in a day to get into the top 10 and then they just had the worst showing of all time last week I mean I don't know how it could get any worse for them with losses to the Tide and uh to the Bulldogs from this state um that that was pretty shocking to me that Auburn was doing all of that but great team great coach team I mean our fan base is more than familiar with what old Brucey's doing over there aren't we Jordan oh yeah buddy I mean Bruce is a phenomenal coach and, and the bad part about it is, man, is they made us look bad, Grant. 
come out. Yeah, they they went on that war, that bad run right after uh, we hyped them up. Yeah, I was saying Auburn was a top five team in the country, and then they just poop their pants after I'm on the podcast saying that. So my face is all over YouTube talking up Auburn. Just wonderful on that. Well, Pete, man, one thing I want to ask you too uh, when it does come to SEC hoops. Who do you think is going to be the coach of the year so far this year? We talked uh, pre-show about Lamont Paris um, at South Carolina. Um, I honestly think it depends how Ole Miss rounds out the year with, and I think they play their um, Egg Bowl basketball game tonight. Um, they did last Pacific night and won by State. two. Okay. Okay, sorry. Yeah, thank you then. All right, that's good. Oh, that's right. I saw that atmosphere on Crazy. That was electric. Yeah. That was awesome. Like, it made me want to drive to go to an Ole Miss basketball game. Like, that was football-level-looking atmosphere. That was cool. But um, stadium-wise, just for the record, you guys seem to have the best one. So, hey, just throwing we'll take that it. out there. We'll take it. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, I, I think um, – it's between Chris Beard and so far Lamont Paris that, um, you know, Tennessee was supposed to be good. Everybody knows Bruce Pearl there. Yeah. They're performing a little bit above expected, but it's still Auburn and Bruce Pearl, NATO, same thing. Like who do you got? I mean, Mike White is decent, but not to the level. I think like Lamont is out way outperforming expectations. Chris Beard is definitely outperforming expectations. Right. Um, but to what extent, right? Will they crash and burn on the back end now that they're in the thick of, uh, SEC play or, you know, do they continue to improve there? So we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, South Carolina got a piece of the balls last night and it was not fun to be in attendance at the food city center for that. I'll be the first person to say that since I was there, but, uh, you know, man, what he's done at South Carolina picked to finish 14th in the league. They're currently sitting in a share of second place right now. Ole Miss was another team that was picked towards the bottom. And I'm not sure exactly where they are in the standings right now, but both those guys have just done phenomenal jobs with the programs that they've had at hand. And it's a lot of it's been through the transfer portal. Yeah. And then on the flip side too, right? Like Arkansas, well, I don't know what they were either like preseason, but now they're like, what? Well, I think they're dead last. Preseason two. Preseason number two, and they just poop their pants. I mean, Arkansas is terrible this year, man. Yeah. And I had heard rumors that uh, Musselman is on his way out, and Louisville is a team that is a potential Minnesota, I heard, too. Um, I heard this on, I don't, it was another podcast that I don't, I don't want to quote, but um it was just speculation at this point, but but a be I think a little more serious than just speculation is Musselman. This could be it um, at Arkansas. So, we man, that would be great for us. Arkansas has been the thorn in the side of Tennessee for the past couple of years, and Ricky Rick Barnes or Ricky Dale, as we like to call him, hasn't been able to do too much against them. So, we got that. Uh, next one I got for you, Bud. Who's the SEC Player of the Year at this point in the season? Dalton connects right without a question. Um, but Sears, what's Sears' first name? It's it's Mark. Marcus Sears at Bama. I mean, you would think he'd be number two, right? Um, Either him or Wade Taylor I'm, at A and M. Yeah, yeah, him too. You know, and that's another disappointment. Not to the level of Arkansas, but I know Buzz Williams likes to kind of keep those three, four year guys, like develop them that really strong in the portal. But like, I, I mean, Buzz Williams is a great coach, so I just expected. Um, a little bit better, but um, I would say those two, um, Sears and Connect for sure. I mean, Connect Connect's playing himself into the NBA lottery. Forget Player of the Year. Yeah, you know, like he's he's amazing. Well, and one thing on that too, and I was listening to ninety nine one uh, with our buddy Tyler Ivans yesterday while I was in Knoxville. So shout out to Tyler. But uh, you know, he was kind of talking on it, and he said if Dalton Connect lived in a world without Zach Eady, he's probably the national player of the year. But there's no way that award doesn't go back to the big men from West Lafayette this year, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unstoppable. He's absolutely unstoppable. Um, but they crash and burn. I, hey, I'm sure you want a deeper tournament run than no player of the year accolades and then crash and burn first round, right? Second, they get, I don't know when Purdue got out early with him last year in the tournament. It was a first round. Early exit. 
first round. Yeah, they upset. lost to the 16th seed, yeah. Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah, that's right. I'll... So I'd rather a deep tournament run it, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you, man. And then uh, one question I got for you right here, too. Uh, SEC tournament is fastly approaching in Nashville. I mean, we're roughly about five and a half weeks out from it right now. Who's a dark horse team that can make some noise in Nashville? I, I've been pulling so hard for Arkansas to just emerge. It ain't happening. They got guys quitting the team. Um, there's obviously a set friction in the locker room, whether that's true or not. I think that the, you know, I'm showing on the court kind of speaks to it. I honestly would look for Georgia um, to maybe take it. Um, freshman Demaris or something. I forget his name, but they got a freshman guard. That's, that's really electric, really good. It was a four-star big recruit. Um, so I would really look for them to emerge. And you know, what's another team that, I mean, man, nobody talks about them either way is LSU. I mean, they're just kind of bland this year, right. As they usually are in basketball, but they, and they got a new coach, but, um, who knows that that tourney is such a wild card, man, because you get teams like Tennessee, like knock on wood, they're, they're going to be in right by, by conference tourney time. So beyond playing for seating, like how much does it impact? Um, so we'll see. I, I think Georgia's got a good shot. Mike white has got that program really rounding into form. They got a lot of positive momentum going. I know they got a big, big recruiting class coming in next year, especially. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you on that, man. I mean, Georgia is a team that gave the Vols a lot of fits whenever we took that trip down to Athens a couple of weeks ago. And it's not a team I want to see in Nashville. I don't want to see A&M in Nashville. And I sure as hell do not want to see South Carolina in Nashville after what they did yesterday. Promise you that. Um, and then one last question for you when it comes to hoops, man. What team do you have cutting down the nets in April? Everybody's saying UConn, but that's just so predictable, right? Like, yeah. it's this is such a wild card. Like, man, I, I, Chris Beard's awesome tournament time. I mean, get him in and punch him a ticket, and and he does he does stuff. So, um, I don't really Clemson. Clemson um, is giving some people some fits, and I think. You know, they could make a run. It's all about playing right at the right time, obviously, as we all know. Um, I, I love your defense. I, I think defense is huge come tournament time. And the fact that you have, you guys seem to have a good team. Um, I think that's the difference tournament time, right? So I just bounced all over the place. I realized I got to commit. Um I'll just go Ole Miss. Let's pull a wild card. First year, Chris Beard gets it done. Oh, he wins um, a natty. But, but I do think, like, just on the on the tournament talk, I've thought this forever now. Like, man, you see, like, we just talked about Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue. Um, not that Purdue has necessarily lottery picks um, every year, um, but I think there's something to be said for these mid-majors, non, or, like, not for, like, football terms, uh, non group of uh, non power power five right so G five teams um, and basketball there's obviously a lot more there's three hundred plus teams uh, division one but I think there's something to be said for like guys that the teams that have to like these fairly Dickinsons not a one person from their team is going pro St Peter's Peacock same thing right they made that run a couple years ago. Um, they know how to play team ball. You're getting a group of guys together. NIL is, let's be honest, off the table. Um, it's basically known void. And you're getting these guys that play together three or four years, played the bench their first two years, gel. They've been through it all. Locker room, class, practice, games, the grind, conference tournaments. And they really know how to play together. And we've seen it year over year with teams like Kentucky, right? They look great in the season and then they get to the tournament and it's all like, oh, my gosh, we're on CBS or whatever network. Um, I want to show out. I want to individually perform to get my draft stock up. Right. Um, and then but you really need that team ball come tournament time or else 
that's what happens. You see these Purdue upsets, right? You see St. Peter's making, right? I think they did. They ended up beating Kentucky that year, right? They did, yeah. In, in one of their so, yeah, that's kind of how I see. I, I elaborated a little bit more there, but yep. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I mean, Ole Miss, ooh, that's a hot take right there. But they're they're good, well-coached team. They've got a lot of really good players. And our buddy Stephen Willis, who runs Locked on Ole Miss, shout out Stephen. I think he'd be really, really happy with that one right there. So full important for Stephen if uh, the Vols aren't aren't in that conversation right there towards the end. And uh, I do have one thing I want to ask you on hoops real quick before we do uh, dart off to some football. It's going to consume quite a bit of time. But what, where do you see Tennessee going this year? Do you see them making a run to the Final Four, or is early exit Rick Barnes going to be a another thing once again? No, I don't think it will be because in years past, I I don't recall a guy that can take over a game, so to speak, like a Dalton Connect, right? Um, and I think a, a do or a Jonas Adu, yeah, Adu, yeah, um, as a as a compliment. Um, He's shown up lately in some games. Um, so I, I don't see that happening this year. I think at least Elite Eight. Um, and, it, you know, I really feel like, too, once you get through a first-round game, if you are an elite team, um, like a Tennessee, like I'm, I'm a Syracuse fan, right? So if Syracuse gets through the first round, it probably is an eight or a nine seed if they even make it. I'm still very concerned, right? If I'm a Tennessee, okay, I got the kinks out, right? I got that first round matchup out of the way. It's probably going to be if right now you're looking like a one or a two, I would think, right? Maybe a three. Um, but you get that first round matchup out of the way and then you start rolling. And I think the misconception is like, yes, every game is close. I get that, right? Um, it's just like every SEC game for the most part is close in football. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I think when you're an elite team with elite talent like Tennessee this year, that supersedes. So even if it's just a five-point win, the ability to get it done in crunch time um, is something that I think is hidden so much. Like I would bank more on Tennessee way more than an eight or nine Syracuse, if that makes sense, um, that has to like get it done in crunch time against maybe a higher seed. I wouldn't or a low, yeah, yeah, higher seed. I wouldn't have that much confidence in it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that, man. I mean, that's one thing that Tennessee really does need to work on. Um, early exits have been a thing, and, you know, kind of touching on the Elite Eight right there as well. Tennessee's only made the Elite Eight once in program history. Never been to a Final Four, never been to a national championship game, obviously. This team has all the workings to be able to do stuff like that. It's just are the shots going to fall or is there going to be another night like against South Carolina where you wait and wait and wait for Dalton connect to be the best player in college basketball. And then you shoot yourself in the foot waiting for that to turn around. So that's, that's my biggest concern with the team, but you know, I see Tennessee kind of being able to, uh, you know, make a little bit of noise this year compared to what we're used to right there. But boys, I think it's time we talk some football. How do you guys feel about that? Let's do it. And Jordan. Yeah, buddy. What you got, Jordan? All right. Well, buddy, uh, we're talking some SEC football here. How many SEC teams do you think are going to make the, top, the uh, 12-team playoff? Three. Um, and I think it's just it's the division, right? It's it, it's the league, I should say, not division. Um, it's going to be tough. Like, if you throw – Georgia, right? Uh, you can pretty much with Texas and OU being in the mix now, like you can throw Georgia in that mix with, yeah, they ain't going to go undefeated anymore, right? They'll probably at least have one loss regular season. Um, Bama, if knock on wood, Saban was still there, you would definitely bank on the same thing, right? So if that's the, if they're the golden standard and you're assuming they're going to lose at least one game, then well, you can knock everybody else back a tier, right? It's just people everybody's going to beat each other. I mean, the, the league is just so elite now for the most part that like, it's going to be tough for them to get, I think more than three in. And if you look at it this past year, I think either Ole Miss or Mizzou would have been borderline the third one, right? Georgia Bama would have been in and then Ole Miss or Mizzou would have been um, borderline. So, and then, you know, there's just too many, to, and, and uh, G5 gets an automatic qualifier, so technically there's only 11 spots, right, not 12 for the 
um, for the power five. Um, so yeah, I think, I think three, who are the three that you think are going to get in Georgia. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss and I ain't saying Tennessee. I'll tell you that uh, <laughs> LSU, easy LSU. And, and it, I, um, man, th- this past off season, Brian Kelly came out and said they were a year away. And a lot of um, Caroline Fenton talked about this on Lockdown LSU, and and a lot of them were, um, a lot of LSU fans were kind of upset, like you don't you don't back our team, you know. That's how they were kind of in, um, interpreting what he said, like you don't you're not confident, you don't believe. And Kelly was just being honest. And in the moment, Caroline said, "Look, he's just being real, you know. That's how he sees it." And maybe it was like a psychology thing to to motivate his team a little more to be like no we are that team right we can't make at that time the four-team playoff but regardless he said at that time um we're a year away well if they were a year away guess what 2024 is the year um and they have nussmeyer coming back at quarterback who's a veteran veteran um been there done that stayed around the program caleb jackson running back um, who's a stud? He's the guy that steamrolled that old, that Mississippi State player in that game earlier this year. Um, they got a great line of Will Campbell um, anchoring that line. Um, they got a, a Tresman Green, an elite tight end coming in. Watch out for him. Um, that's supposed to be nasty. Um, defense should be improved. That's what bit them. Honestly, that's the only thing that bit them this year from from making the playoffs, right, was that defense. If they even just had a, a below average defense, they would have been okay. Yeah, um, They've shorted up on that side of the ball. So those are the three I see just not I, I know it kind of sounds silly. Well, you're just going off of Brian Kelly's statement. I'm going off of that and then just seeing what the, the pieces that they're that they're getting in place, that they're rounding into form. And that's not even like talk about 2025 right now recruiting. They, they've got the number one receiver, number one running back, number one quarterback already committed. And, and they're just putting a blanket around the state of Louisiana specifically right now. So they're doing work there. Louisiana is a hotbed for, for high school football talent just in general. So I, I could see that. Um, for what reasons do you think that, what reasons do you think Tennessee won't make the four, the twelve team playoff? Good question. You put me on the spot. <laughs> um, it's tough. The, now the line shored up some because of Lance Hurd, right? That's a big get. That's huge because it, um, protecting Nico was going to be an issue. Um, just the competition, man, it just seemed, you know, you're going to have to go to Athens this year. Um, also, another team early that I, I think Vol fans are looking over is NC State. Um, NC State is a good program. Dave Doran, the coach, has been there a while. Um, additionally, Robert and I, I know this just because he was at Syracuse for um, a year, I think, is ROC. He left for NC State for more money last year um and they had a good year with brennan armstrong um they were 18th going into their bowl game and now he's got grayson mccall coming in from coastal carolina who everybody knows who he is um and they're just a good team to look out i mean those those two are guaranteed losses right and then you're saying you got to beat bama and go through the rest of that sec slate um undefeated and i'm not saying nc state's a, a, a a definite loss but Vol fans that I've talked to, it just seems like, like I had a conversation with someone one day, right? And it was, it was like, okay, like we went game by game, and I said, okay, NC State, who do you guys think's gonna win? And they were like, win, balls, like no discussion, like no debate, no thought to it. And I'm like, I really hope that, you know, the players and don't have that mindset going into that week. It's a neutral site game, um, but they're a program, so. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying right there, man. I mean, think I think Tennessee's got a way to go 
um, at the end of the day. You know, there's quite a few things Tennessee still needs to work on. I think 25 is going to be more so that year after Nico gets, you know, a full year starting under his belt before he bolts off to the NFL after that, honestly, man. But uh, other than SEC teams making the playoffs and Tennessee not doing that, um, you know, you kind of touched on Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama. What, what do you think he's going to be able to do there? Is he just going to be another guy who holds a job for a couple of years, or is he going to be able to kind of replicate what Saban was able to do? Right. That's the question is, like, is he the guy before the next guy, right? Or is he going to get it done? Um, I think he gets it done. You look at his overall coaching record going into this job, 104 and 12. Uh, I know that wasn't all at D1. Um, but he won some national titles at the NAIA. Brian Kelly did the same, right? He won at Grand Valley State before he hit um, Cincinnati and Central Michigan and all those schools. Not that Kelly won a national title um, at those schools, but he. what I'm saying is he won it at a lower level, just like um, DeBoer did. Now, um, it's already – it's early, but the 2025 rankings have Bama at eight right now. Um, which is not one or two like they have been forever, right? So that's down. And and in the past, you've seen guys take over, coaches take over programs, and there's a slow digression. Like everybody just wants to say, oh, well, Bama's eight in recruiting now for 2025. Like, yes, that's going to change for everybody. But let's just say they end at eight-ish. They'd look at that and say, okay, we'll take it. That's fine, right? Like it's not saving level, but it's not like a huge drop-off, right? Um, however can you sustain that after three or four years, right? Like you're still getting guys right now that are looking at Bama saying, wow, this is like a, a team that's elite. It's ready to go. Um, they have Jalen Milrow. They have Justice Haynes back. They have good receivers coming back. Ryan Williams is supposedly committing, right? So they have good pieces, but over time to your question, like, are you able to sustain that based on his track record? I can only say, yeah, I think he will. Um, and I mean, he turned up what three, three and nine Washington team into a winner in his first year there. And that's Washington. Like that's not even SoCal, right? Like it's tougher to recruit than just like SoCal or California out of that area. Um, and, and the pieces he's put in place too. I mean, he hired, uh, Kate Womack out of university of South Alabama. He was their head coach. He hired him as the DC, got him to go to Bama which is also interesting because he got like a $1.2 million raise out of it. He went from 800 K as a head coach to 2 million Ooh. years of DC, less responsibility. And, you know, um, that money, but yeah, it's the SDC money. So, um, but anyways, like he's got, so that was a good strategic hire because now he's got a guy that knows that blueprint. He knows the Southeast, right? He can go and specifically Bama. He's got relationships in that mobile area, which Sarah lines in that area ish. And, everywhere else. So I kind of see DeBoer doing well, maybe a bit of drop off this year until he gets it right. But man, he's a, he seems like a good coach to get a lot of talent out of guys. And Saban was obviously that as well. But I think one thing that you will see is not necessarily the recruiting prowess that Saban had, but the talent on the field will show. You may see more three or four stars really showing out than you did under Saban, where you had a lot of these five stars that were showing out, right? And maybe that changes over time. Maybe, you know, in five years, um, because of that coaching, he starts pulling in those five stars. But um, initially, I see a little lower recruitment, but maybe he still, like Washington, right, gets it done on the field. I was looking at his um, recruitment classes at Washington. They were not even in the top 20. Uh, I think they were like, according to on three, they were like in the 30s, as I recall. I wrote an article on it a bit ago. So to that point, right? Like he's just, and he brought, he seems to be bringing not all coaches and players with him, but certain coaches and players with him. Um, Austin Mack, the four-star recruit, who would have been, I think, 17 if Penix got hurt this last year, they said at Washington as a backup QB and went in the game, but he brought him over um, to Bama with him, some assistant coaches, like he's bringing, it seems like certain pieces with him, not all pieces, which to me means like, like he didn't, he didn't bring his DC, right? He brought, um, Grub, the OC, and then he hired a brand new DC who he has had relationship with at Indiana. But it, to me, it just shows like he's being strategic about it. Like he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. Right, that makes that makes total sense, man. Um, I, 
My thing is with DeBoer is I think no matter what, if it was me going in down there, I would want to be the guy after the guy, not the next guy. Because the expectations down there are are still going to be through the roof. It's Alabama. That's what they're. That's how they're going to look at it. He loses two games this year. They're going to be ready to cut him loose. Um, it's because uh, it's a it's a crazy world down there, man. They're out there putting oatmeal pies at the bottom of that saving statue down there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Alabama fans, crazy people. They are, man. They really are. Nah, they're 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 good though. They're they're with us right now. As crazy as that sounds. <laughs> right. That's the crazy thing about this whole. And I, uh, you guys will get into it, but that's, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's wild. It's a, it's a wild world right now, buddy. What a time to be alive. Tennessee and Alabama fans re, uh, uniting as one. <laughs> yeah. Perfect time to start talking about it, I guess. Right. Yes, sir. Man. I mean, what, what, what's going on here? Like the NCAA has just, it's like they're, they're going rogue here and they're like, look, we're going to bring back, we're going to bring back a rule that was a rule two years ago. It's not, a, it's not necessarily as much as a rule now, but because Tennessee's doing it, we're going to, we're going to call it. That's, that's the way I look at it. It's just like, what, what's the point in doing it right now? Because it's legal now. It wasn't then it is now. What are you going to do about it? There's nothing to come up that to me, there's more smoke than there is fire to this. Well, you're, you're not wrong on that, Jordan. And, you know, it sounds like some of the violations that are coming through this NIL stuff is, you know, Nico Iamaliava jumping on a plane with a booster, going to go talk to the collective. And then, uh, you know, some stuff saying that Tennessee's offering kids at uh, other schools while they're currently enrolled, which is just complete and utter B- other BS. I mean, you listen to anybody in the media, Tennessee's problem with the transfer portal is Tennessee's not going out there and offering these kids while they're at other schools. Like Pete, you may know the name on the kid that I'm about to talk about. I don't know the name, but he's at Iowa now transferred there. And he exactly. said that Iowa reached out to him while he was at his other school. Like, and he's yeah. publicly saying that now, but they're wanting to come at Tennessee for something like that. I just yeah. don't understand how there's any validity to anything that's going on with this. Yep. No, you guys are right. Um, there's not. I... Oh, go ahead, Jordan. No, you're fine, buddy. Go. You you finish your point. Oh, no. Gotcha. Um, you know, I wrote out a statement just because I had to make sense of this, and I couldn't. To your guys' point, I'm, you know, pro Tennessee on this. I don't think anybody's pro NCAA that's in their right mind. But let me state this: basically, what you guys were saying, a violation cannot be a violation if it wasn't considered a violation at the time of the violation. That's ultimately what just happened, which is like, it's just crazy to wrap your head around. And and to Jordan's point, like, you know, it's bad. Like, let's just say, you know, nothing about this situation, but somebody was to tell you, Hey, Alabama fans and Tennessee fans are united on a legality issue. I would say whoever the other party is that's opposed is wrong because there's no way that these two fan bases are ever you on a united front right and it's not just alabama it's georgia i mean you could you just go on x today and it's it's all over everybody is united like team gbo um and just the end except for the few randoms that that don't know aren't knowledgeable enough of what's going on right now um and you know, I thought of two analogies like, OK, so if you're not like totally familiar with this situation, which um, Jordan and Grant just said, but like. Imagine a five year old going to their friend and saying, hey, you can have my candy bar. And then five minutes later saying you can no longer have my candy bar and take trying to take it back. Right. Like the, the kid that received the candy bar would be like. No, that that's not how this works. You can't do that retroactively, right? Which is what they're trying to do. Or like your boss telling you that a shift starts at 7 a.m. And then you show up at 7 and then they try to reprimand you because you didn't show up at 6 a.m. But they never told you the shift started at 6 a.m. It's just, it's it's ludicrous to me. They're, they're, the NCAA is just sh- sh- putting their nail in their coffin. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's like they're it's it's almost like they're just trying to show everybody, hey, you know, we walk soft, but we walk with a big stick. 
And that's not the case. Like, it's uh, no, you don't. Because the, honestly, this is going to be the, the this is the beginning of the end for the NCAA. There's a reason you're starting to see these other schools, you know, jump in, jump in a conference, look no further than Texas, uh, Texas and Oklahoma. They come to the SEC this year. They're, they're, you know, look at the PAC 12. It's pretty much falling apart with the exception of what Oregon state and Washington state. Right. You know, and, and I think Colorado's still apart. No, did Colorado move back to the big move to the big 10? No, they went big 12. Yeah. They're in the big Big 12 12 now. Okay. But you know that's that's what I'm getting at is I think eventually we're going to start seeing we're going to see this more and more over the next year and especially if we just like if we just give the middle thing if Tennessee just gives the middle finger to the NCAA and says hey we're out uh we're fix- Tennessee is fixing to start a movement to where the NCAA is about to go away that's what I think I th- I think you're right. Um... You know, in my initial thoughts when I saw this come out, I was like, oh, my, like everybody remembers what happened with Pruitt and you guys are past that now over it. Um, but, you know, then as the, as the day went on and seeing all the support for Tennessee, I said, because initially I was like, you know, coaches are going to use this as recruiting leverage against Tennessee, Alabama. We talked about, right, Georgia. Um, they're going to use this as recruiting against Tennessee is like, hey, look, they got, whether they did it or didn't do it, they got dinged. Well, this is so egregious by the NCAA that you can't even use that as a recruiting violation or, um, you know, uh, you know, against, um, against Tennessee to try to recruit. That's how bad this is. I mean, you got, like you say, you got Bama fans agreeing with Tennessee fans that the Vols just say it's what you said. They took a stray bullet for the entire NCAA or not the NCAA, all division one teams. That's what they did. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, well, it's, go ahead, Grant. Well, you know, I was just going to say, guys, sorry, I had technical difficulties for just a second. So if you guys are watching on YouTube and you saw me go away, that's what happened right there. But one thing I did want to kind of make a point on as well. And if you guys covered it, just tell me and we'll move on to the next. But in Donde Plowman's letter that she sent to the NCAA, it's kind of like Donde was cutting, you know, old school WWE promos and saying, hey, just bring it at the end of the day. You don't mess with the University of Tennessee. We've got one of the largest and loudest fan bases. Have you guys ever seen Vol Twitter? I mean, come on. Why would you want to pick on these people? And they're out there and they're trying to do stuff like that still. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why that's what they're trying to accomplish because there's plenty of other fan bases you could pick on, like a Kentucky or a Missouri, if you're going after the SEC, Arkansas even, that doesn't have as large and as loud of a fan base as Tennessee does, because Tennessee's going to fight everything at the end of the day at this point. And we could be seeing that first domino fall when it comes to the NCAA going away. Yeah, um, you're right. I I didn't think about that. If it's like, you know, no knock on Arkansas or a Vandy, right? Like who... Um, who even pays it any mind? Now, I do think to um, like to its detriment somewhat, if this happened during the season, this would probably be back page news, right? Let's be honest. There's things that happen in the off season that all of a sudden nothing to talk about, right? So that gets magnified a little bit more. However, on the other side, I think this is so ridiculous that it's not going to turn out like you know, it, it's going to stay front page news, but against the NCAA, not not against Tennessee. And I think too, um, like uh, glass half full on this, right? Like um, Florida just got sanctioned for similar stuff, right? With their quarterback. And guess who's talking about Florida? Nobody. That to me means Tennessee is more relevant than Florida. People care about Tennessee right now, right? I mean, let's let's be real. They literally got hit with the same thing. And if not, it was more of a, they're paying that said player. We're going to pay that said player more than Tennessee is. And and nobody's talking about it. And it, within a day of that news breaking, it was just no longer news, right? Tennessee is not going to be like that. Like you guys said, you keep it alive on Twitter and wherever else. And um yeah, I I mean, 
at the end of the day, it, it really shows your relevance, like that you are a program on the way up. So I love to hear it. It's one of those things, man. Tennessee, Tennessee fans and Vol Twitter, they don't forget, brother. <laughs> well, I, man, I picked you guys last year preseason to go eight and four. Um, your to your point, oh, I got roasted. Um, and I, I respect it, man. That the passion's there. Um, honestly, like, cause I I engage with a lot of all SEC fan bases on Twitter. Um, you can follow my lists. Actually, I got in in Tennessee's is the second largest to Bama, um, by far. Uh, nearly 400 people on Bama's list, 400 on Tennessee, and then everybody else is in the twos and ones. So, um, and that's not like a bias. It's not honestly. It's it's not like I'm growing that with a bias towards Tennessee or Bama or Georgia's pretty strong too. It's just organically, right? Like what engages the most and everything. So you can't say lying. I mean, you guys, and you're passionate too. I pick you to go eight and four, justifiably in my opinion, because of Milton. Um, but um, you're with it. You don't just take it, you know? Well, obviously so. you were correct on that. I mean. Well, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. You were, you hit the nail on the head with it because that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, Last year, as far as that goes, wasn't the year a lot of fa- a lot of fans thought we were going to have, but it was. And the thing about it is, is ten years ago, we're killing for an eight and four season, right? You're doing backflips <laughs> and, and, and now cartwheels. We're, it, yeah, yeah, a lot like uh, the old ball coach said, uh, you know. And now we're like, oh man, eight and four—that's not good enough. Yeah. I'll take it. You know, I'll take it. It's crazy too. Like in a similar vein, I remember I was in undergrad and I was talking to my friend. Luke and we were at you know he's a big Bama fan and um, Shula was the coach. This was like oh oh seven oh six and there was talk that Shula was on the hot seat. They had those recruiting violations and he was doing mediocre ish. At that time, I distinctly remember there was debate on should Shula go or stay. Right? It seemed like the administration was leaning towards letting him go. Um, I was saying let him stay, and now. Fast forward, right? 17 years. Obviously, that was the right decision, but it's hindsight, right? Like you said, even for Tennessee, too, you could always be more in the doldrums. Um, so, I, and I, one thing I, I will say this one thing that I saw on um, one of my friends was telling me about this like, watch the watch the pieces, watch the offense. And I, I did do that this year with Tennessee and, and Milton wasn't accurate, right? I think that was what Tennessee fans were trying to wish into existence. I'm sorry, you know, don't mean to offend any Vol Twitter by using that statement with Milton, but it was preseason pretty obvious why he got bent for Hooker in the first place that um, he just didn't have the touch, but thinking that that would be fixed with time on the bench, it obviously really wasn't. However, that's null and void when you look at Heupel's system and that guys were open. Um, whatever game I watched, that passing scheme, mine is probably Florida, the guys were open. So it's simply just a plug-and-play potentially, right? And Nico, uh, you can tell from the Iowa game even, like he's more athletic, he's more willing, and uh, he can put it where you need it. And this, so the system works, right? The offense works. The plays work. Guys are going to be open. Um, and that with that running back duo you got as well, um, <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think we're all excited to see what they're going to do next season, honestly. Yeah, and that's the thing about about Heifel's offense. It's not, well, you know, we they run this play, he's getting open. It's a scheme, and he schemes his guys open. There's a difference in guys making plays to get open as opposed to being schemed open. Heifel schemes his guys open down the field. That's right. And makes the de- and puts the pressure on defenses to say, okay, I'm going with this guy. I'm going to let this guy go and hope I've got help over the top. Bama didn't have help over the top in 22, and you see what happened. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Yep. It's just it's a fun scheme to watch, and it's a fun offense to watch. And even this year, the thing about it is with Milton, yeah, maybe it was dumbed down a little bit, but the offense still was not god-awful. It was just not what Tennessee fans expected it to be with, you know, because of what they seen with Hendon and, you know, even even in the Orange Bowl with, with Joe. But, you know, it is what it is. Last year was not a terrible year by any means. It just wasn't the year a lot of people expected it to be. You, 
another positive I think with Nico coming into and, and one of my friends post uh, pointed this out to me, the body language, and you guys probably know this as everyday Tennessee fans, and I noticed it after he pointed it out. He said, watch the Vandy game. When Nico came in, the body language and the energy of the team changed dramatically. Um, and that's not something nobody's ever going to go on camera and say, oh, yeah, we didn't love playing for Joe, but we love playing for Nico. Um, but it's palpable. It was palpable, right? Even watching on replay, um, you could just see it when Nico went into the game, that the energy was just there. The team was flowing better. Yes, the game. granted, that, that Vandy game, that was garbage time, right? But you could still tell that there's value in that, and that's how I analyzed it. Um, and then it carried over into the bowl game. I mean, that that was an elite defense, no matter the conference, right, with the Iowa. And let's be honest, the Big, the Big Ten's on the up and up. Their, their coaching is increasing like the SEC has over the last 10, 15 years. Um, the Big Ten's getting there with their coaches as, as well, and Iowa's an elite defense. So that was really impressive. Yeah, it sure was, man. I mean, we were we were, you know, excited to see what Nico could do and we're really excited for what he can do this year. But guys, I want us to get a quick word from some of our sponsors real quick and then we'll jump right back in and finish out the show with some start bench cut. How does that sound, boys? Sounds good. Sounds like a plan, brother. If you're looking for the perfect Smoky Mountain vacation, Mountain Romance is your cozy romantic getaway. Starting at 129 per night, you get two bedrooms, two full baths, and this beautiful cabin will sleep up to six people. With an amazing mountain view, fire pit, pool table, and hot tub, this place has it all and is located within minutes of downtown Gatlinburg. To inquire, go to Airbnb and search for Mountain Romance or email bearslayer2021 at gmail.com. This next segment is brought to you by Three Kings of Cardboard, the go-to spot to upgrade your sports memorabilia collection. Check out their Facebook group and eBay at Three Kings of Cardboard. I have dealt with them personally and will not deal with anybody else. My favorite item from them is my Jalen Wright one-of-one Bowman U Superfactor that they have pulled me. Check out our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard today. All right, gentlemen. I think it's time for my favorite part of the show. Let's do some start bench cut. How does that sound? Heck yeah. All That's right. Good. So, boys, I have got a couple today. Most of them are SEC themed. Uh, I do have one that is Tennessee only, but uh, start bench cut. I want to know who the, has the best uniform in the SEC. Well, which one is the best football uniform in the SEC? Ole Miss Powder Blue, Tennessee Dark Mode, or LSU Purple? Go ahead, Jordan. Oh, buddy. You know, uh, I'm. I'm a home. I, I'm gonna go Homer right here. I'm gonna say dark mode, LSU purple, Ole Miss powder blue. Start dark mode, bench LSU purple. Cut the powder blues. I'm like total, total opposite. Um, cutting blue, or sorry, cutting purple. Um, benching Tennessee. Sorry, um, and starting powder blue. Man, that. That's sick. I, it might be because I have a truck similar color, but um, I love that powder blue, man. It's 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 pretty awesome. Carbon copy with you right there, Pete. I just love those powder blues. Those are the cleanest in the SEC. And whenever they break out that helmet, too, that's got that design that kind of matches it right there. Oh, man, I just go crazy over that. Throw the uh, the Tennessee gray and orange. Then we might have a different conversation. I think. That OK, cool. OK. All right. Well, next one right here. This one is Tennessee themed. Uh, best Tennessee football jersey, dark mode, smoky gray, or the all white roads. You take this one first, Pete. Man, the all white. I, I feel like I see them less than the other two nowadays. You really do. Man, yeah. that's what makes it like it's it is plain compared. I mean, traditionally plain. The grays are sick. I love the grays. So that's what I would go with start the whites bench um, and the darks. Um, although it looks good on the t-shirt, Jordan. I just, um, I don't, I don't know. I would, I would cut that one gameplay wise, but did that, that cause I now, now you got me thinking Peyton Manning, right. And that white 16, <laughs> it, it's just so nostalgic. So cool stuff. It is Jordan roll with yours, buddy. I think I'm going to start the st the stormtrooper. I like it. I like it a lot. It's clean. Just, I like it. 
I love I love the smoky gray, so that's gonna be my bench. I'll probably up dark mode on that one. And I mean if I'm picking between powder blue and purple, dark mode's my start. But in this case, gotta go stormtrooper. That stormtrooper look is clean. You know, I'm going to copy Jordan on this one just because we did this in a previous episode and I wanted to get a national media member's opinion on this one. So you got a you got a recycled one right there, Pete. But I, I love the Stormtrooper. Smokey Gray is the best helmet in all of college football with the detail attention to the mountains and then dark mode. Love it. But, you know, I like the baseball ones better, but don't tell anybody else that. Um <laughs> Best live mascot in the SEC. I have included Bevo from Texas in on this because they are an SEC school now for talking football. But uh, start bench cut, Bevo uh, from Texas, Smokey from Tennessee, or Ugga from Georgia. I'm going to start Bevo just because he went after Ugga, but I'm still going <laughs> horns down. Uh, I'm going to bench Smokey, cut and Ugga, because all Ugga does is drool. I'll, I'll go as cute. I, I have an English Staffordshire Bull Terrier, um, so I guess I'm pro bully breed. Uh, don't tell. Oh, Peter. he's cute. Yeah, uh, I ain't got to like. I ain't got to like Ugga though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting Ugga, um, and then uh, who who is the other two? Grant uh, Smokey Bevo. from Tennessee or Bevo from Texas? Yeah, Smokey, I'm I'm benching. He's awesome, and and Bevo just because it's Texas, uh, horns freaking down, not, horns not up. Whatever you want to say. Man, so. I struck some nerves with some Texas fans on Twitter the other day from one of our reels we posted where I was talking about them, uh, you know, asking BYU to change their shirts. Most ridiculous thing I've seen in the past year. But uh, I'm going to start Aga, just iconic mascot, and how they got the name to UGA Aga, just yeah. like that. Yeah. Gonna bench Smokey, which breaks my volunteer heart to do that, but sure as hell can't cut him. Bevo, horns down. We're going all the way on that right there. <laughs> um, so Smokey was a consensus bench in that one. Bench, crazy. Not the oh. other B word. <laughs> yeah, Smokey was a consensus bitch. Uh, bench. That was kind of hey, not hey. what I expected right there. I know, right? <laughs> PG thirteen, man. I got to be better on that. Okay, Pete. Start bench cut these SEC towns, Oxford, Mississippi, Athens, Georgia, or Fayetteville, Arkansas. Which one's the best one to go to? Man, I've been to one. I've been to Athens. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm benching Athens. Decent. Um, I didn't see it on game day. Disclaimer. Now, from the TV set, I, so I can really just go by TV set, right? So Yeah, yeah. Um, bench in Athens, start in Oxford. I, I, I'd be intrigued if any of us do not start Oxford. That is just electric. Um, oh, and yeah. then benching Fayetteville. I, I mean, they're just not traditionally good. So you don't really, I mean, to be fair, you never see the energy really like since Petrino left, right? Like, let's be honest. Wrong. Um, and also from what I've heard that campus is on a massive hill. So, um, it wouldn't be fun for tailgating if you're drinking and you know I, I don't drink but i can imagine if you were that that just makes it a little less enjoyable versus hanging out at g10 so ain't that the truth man i've been to two of the three i've been to athens and i've been to oxford i am starting oxford seven days a week and twice on sunday there's yeah. no way you can bench uh bench or cut the grove I'm going to I'm going to bench Athens even though I really want to cut it cuz there's something weird about a grown man barking at people. I just can't get around that. But I am going to bench Fayetteville just I don't care about Walmart. I'm a Target guy. So, we're going to we're going to bench Fay cut Fayetteville right there. Jordan, what do you got? All right. Well, I'm going to start Oxford because they red shirt Miss Americans down there. Uh we're going to uh bench Fayetteville. Cuz I unlike you, Grant, I am a Walmart guy. <laughs> uh we're gonna cut athens because i'm not gonna go drink a beer with somebody <laughs> barking at me with a grown man barking hey, at me nonetheless. Hey. Yes, hey, hey though texas wants to complain they better get ready for that gator chop and people barking and you know like if somebody throwing up something that's not even the middle finger is gonna offend you like you got another thing coming in this conference Oh, yeah, you That's go to it, Knoxville buddy. or Fayetteville or Oxford or Athens or Gainesville. Oh, my God. Texas fans are going to be crying. 
it's or the falling out Twitter page after this week. Oh my god! All the all the mean <laughs> tweets I was getting over that. It was a lot of fun. And then last one right here: best stadium in the SEC, and this is from current member schools, so no Texas, no Oklahoma. But start bench cut: Tiger Stadium of LSU, Neyland Stadium of Tennessee, or Kyle Field of A and M. Go ahead, Jordan. Well, I'm not. No surprise here. I'm taking Neyland. I've been in that place when it is wild, and it's hard to beat it. I mean, you can see you. The LSU game games that you watch, they're night games. That that environment is always wild. But Neyland, it don't matter if it's a noon game. You could you you can play at three a.m. in Neyland. It's gonna be buck wild. Yeah, you know. So I'm gonna start Neyland. Uh, I'm gonna bench Tiger Stadium. I'm cutting Kyle Field, the twelfth man. It's intriguing. I like the story behind it, but you know, got to go with the home team on that one. It's also hard to root for a half-empty stadium all the time, and that's what a and has got too many seats. They, they had they Johnny Mandel do. want a Heisman, yeah. and they thought they would fill it forever. <laughs> so, yeah. um, don't last for forever like that, do they? Yeah. So I, Tennessee, number one, all the way. Uh, absolutely. Um, starting checkerboard nation. Love it. Um, I want to get up for a game for sure. It's just it's, – it looks awesome. Um the so I'm cutting AM right away. Who is the I don't even know who the I just want to cut AM. So. Uh, LSU. Okay. Yeah, and I've been to um LSU. I, I went to a game two years ago. Um they played Mississippi State and uh the game started at like it was early September. It was like third week of the season. It started at like five PM Central. So it was nice, right? I got a daylight and then did get to see it at night. The crowd wasn't like electric electric. I mean it's it was Mississippi State and I think year two or three under Leach, year three, I think, under Leach. So they weren't like clicking yet. Um, but um I mean that that's the order I would take. I did I don't know about you guys. I didn't grant you share yours, but I did hear too um the teams are kind of trending towards the smaller stadiums again because of ticket sales. Um so I don't know if there's anything to that. Yeah, I mean, that that ain't ever going to be an issue in Knoxville. I'll tell you that right now. Right. 102 <laughs> 455 is sold out every single game, and it's going to continue to be that way. Obvious start is Neyland. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder, have been my whole life, will be till the day I die. Don't want to miss a single game inside of Neyland. I am going to have flip-flop the other two compared to what you guys did. Kyle Field's going to be number two, just the size the history of you know the program down there, the military, even though they're a cult, and all my friends who went to AM will say that, you know, it's nothing that they aren't saying about themselves. Um, but I'm gonna bench them and I'm gonna cut Tiger Stadium. Just I don't know. It's something about it. I don't like purple, I don't like gold, I don't want to deal with it. Just give me my orange and white. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna cut Tiger Stadium, which kind of feels weird saying almost. You know? That uh, that twenty two game when we went down there and emptied that sucker out, going into the third quarter, no, that no. that could be good good enough reason to cut it. True, true. Ball Nation I was took it to over, at. son. I was supposed to be at that one too, and they didn't get to because of work. But you know, it's part of life. But uh, well, Peter, man, this has been fun. Uh, where can our fans find you at on social media, and what are you working on right now, man? Yeah, so um, find me on Twitter at PigskinPD. That is my uh, primary and only. Um, I have a lot of fun on it. Um, been roasting Texas fans the last week, Texas administration, um, whatever. You got fans saying this ain't us, right? And then I, I get people <laughs> blocking me every day for um, calling them soft. So I don't know. Um, but anyways, I, I have fun, right? It's all good fun. Cover the whole SEC of Team GP at GBO today. I've been throwing out that hashtag a ton in support of the NCAA. Hullabaloo. But um, Pigskin PD for sure. Fansided um, is is who I am a site expert for. So you can find a lot of my articles uh, there. I have the link to my page uh, on my profile. Um, latest one I had come out was on how Vandy may be bowl eligible um, and how they could be in 2024 as a sample. Um, fun articles I've had before. I've picked um, college game day sites predicting preseason, which is always just kind of cool. Um, 
CFP four last year. I made an outrageous call picking Kansas State as one of my four, which did not happen. Got absolutely roasted for that, rightfully so. But hey, they did go what they go ten and two this year. They didn't miss by much. But um, anyways, yeah, that's where you can find me. Okay. Heck yeah, man. I know we I know the pod page follows you. I think I do on my personal page, but I'll make sure I do if I don't. Uh, yeah. man, we we just appreciate you coming on with us tonight, man. It's been fun. We apologize for the technical difficulties, but you're good, man. It's been a, it's been a blast having you tonight, Pete. Yeah, no problem, guys. Go balls and um, let me know if you want me back anytime. I'm I'm happy to do it. So thank you, guys. Oh, we'll have to do that again sure. soon. So. Pete, we always end the show with the Go Vols. If you want to give it, you can. If not, you can say Go Orange, like whatever you guys say with Syracuse. But as I'm saying right here, Go Vols. Go Vols. Go Vols. This episode of the Vol and Out podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Peace of Mind Enterprises. From construction, home remodel, down to general handyman services, Peace of Mind has you covered. All technicians are licensed and insured, servicing East Tennessee with 30-plus years of experience. Call 865-202-7167 for a free estimate because nothing beats having peace of mind.